0: Caesar was ambitious. If it were so, it was a grievous fault. Grievously had Caesar answered it. Here, yeah. under leave of Brutus and the rest, for Brutus is an honorable man, Aye. so are they all, all honorable men. Come I to speak in Caesar's funeral. my friend faithful and just to me but Brutus says he was ambitious and Brutus is an honorable man he hath brought many captives home to Rome whose ransoms did the general coffers fill did this in Caesar seem ambitious when that the poor have cried Caesar hath wept Ambition should be made of sterner stuff. Yet Brutus says he was ambitious. And Brutus is an honorable man. You all did see that on the Lupercal call I thrice presented him a kingly crown which he did thrice refuse. Was this ambition? Yet Brutus, Brutus says he was ambitious. And sure, he is an honorable man. This is Plausibly Live.
1: One of the things that I enjoy most about studying history and learning is that every now and then you come across something that challenges your belief system, challenges what you have held as sacrosanct. If you had asked me 24 hours ago what I thought of this particular topic, I would have given you a completely different answer. Sat through a lecture yesterday afternoon and While it wasn't the focal point of the lecture, it got me thinking and changed, I wonder, I'm not sure yet, if it has completely changed how I feel about this. But I can certainly tell you it has me thinking. What is that? For the longest time, since I've known the story, I have always held that Julius Caesar was a tyrant is why he was killed. He was a tyrant. He was trying to set himself up as king, which of course is not acceptable to a Roman. Hence, Brutus, who is a direct descendant of the first Brutus, had to kill him because that's what you had to do. Brutus is an honest man, an honorable man. But why did I believe that? Why did I just take that without any further consideration? Is it because it fit my agenda, my, my viewpoint of things? I've done a whole series of shows about anti-federalists and federalists, why they chose the name they did, what their historical understandings of things were. And I liked it. Makes sense to me. As I am a Republican not party, little r, a Republican, a believer in Republican democracies, it made sense. And as I am anti-monarchical, it made even more sense. If Julius Caesar was in fact trying to set himself up as king, well, then here he lies for that. But Why did I believe that so deeply that I wasn't willing to even consider the other side of things. There is a foundational belief in Greco-Roman Republic democracies that, that is along the lines of this, and that is a constitutional republic will not work unless you have civic virtue. If you don't have civic virtue, the constitutional republic will not work. You may have a constitution, you may have laws, you may have leaders, you may have a framework, you may have an appearance of these things, but you won't have true liberty, you won't have true self-determination. This is what John Adams would say later on. The constitution was made for a moral people, people who have that civic virtue. And without that, and the Romans, by the way, believed very firmly that religion was a huge part of this, if you don't have that, you don't have a constitutional republic. What you have is kind of an empire kind of thing. Now, the problem with solid constitutional republics where you do have civic virtue is they go through what is known as the. Titler cycle, Titler cycle, which is where they start in bondage, which is where every constitutional republic starts. You have a building of faith, of courage, and eventually you stand up, fight, you win your liberty. And this almost invariably leads to abundance. That abundance then leads to selfishness. Selfishness leads to complacency, complacency to apathy, apathy to dependence, and dependence. Back to bondage. So you find yourself in this cycle where you wind up back where you started again, unless you have civic virtue, which keeps you from falling into that complacency, self-absorption, and dependence elements of this thing, because you're focused on those kinds of things. By the by, by 60 before the common era BCE. Rome had long since ceased to be a functioning republic. Civic virtue had disappeared. There was still the framework, there was still the appearance, the ethereal ideas, and there was still words, but there was no substance to it. The empire, the the, the Roman Republic, which for all practical purposes, was an empire, had, had great success. This brought enormous wealth to Rome. That wealth, in turn, corrupted their civic virtue. Ambition and greed replaced civic virtue of politicians as the primary characteristics of leaders. They were more about gaining power and maintaining power than they ever were about what's the best thing for the republic. The elections that they held, and and Rome had elections every year. The elections were bought by money, not by virtue. There's a great scene in the HBO series Rome, if you've never seen it. I highly recommend it. Yes, it's for adults, but it's there. It's a great scene where Verenus is going to, he's asked by Mark Antony and Caesar to run for an office. And when he starts to educate himself about the issues, okay, these are the issues that matter. He's told, don't do that. Don't worry about that. The election's already paid for. You've already won. You don't need to worry about that. You just need to worry about doing what we tell you to do. The Senate and the magistrates are controlled by money and special interests, not by virtue, not by what matters. And because of this, by 60 BCE, everything is gridlocked. The Senate and the magistrates are unable to even manage the smallest of problems. They can't take care of anything. And of course, gridlock leads to problems. It leads to violence. It leads to leaders fighting each other. And in the Roman sense, actually fighting each other. And the people of Rome lose confidence in their government. They they begin to can say they, they begin to worry that there's no solution to this, except here's this one guy, Julius Caesar, loves the people. He's a populist. He cares for the people. he takes care of the people when he can. He keeps giving the people what they need, what they think they need. And the problem with what Julius Caesar does is that it's a threat to the power base in Rome. It's, it's threatening to upset the system, because you see, the system is corrupt, the system is horrifyingly bad, but it's based on all these senators and these magistrates being paid off by moneyed interests and maintaining their power. And now here comes Julius Caesar, who many of these magistrates and many of these senators actually owe their position to, but they understand that he wants to change things. He wants to, in his words, restore the Republic, which means that they're going to be losing power, prestige, and this presumably money. He's a threat to their system. And so, as we already know, the conspirators gather and they murder Julius Caesar. Kill him. Now, again, hitherto I have assumed and believed that this was a quality of virtue, that this was civic virtue. But what if, I know this is hard to get your head around, but what if I'm, what's that word? Oh, yeah, wrong. What if I'm wrong about that? What if it wasn't civic virtue that drove this at all? Would there be evidence of that? What if their motivation was to restore civic virtue, the Republic? Okay. If that was their motivation, what evidence would there be that they were trying to actually do that? What evidence would there be that in the murder of Julius Caesar, the killing of Julius Caesar, they were going to restore these things? Is there any evidence of that? Based on what happens over the next few days, all you see are corrupted politicians. All they do to demonstrate their civic virtue is they run out into the streets with their bloody hands held high, and they yell, liberty, liberty, we have restored the republic. Have any of the problems actually been solved? Have any of the problems actually been addressed? Has any legislation been bent forth to, to solve anything? What if the conspirac- conspirators who, who killed Julius Caesar were not, in fact, true Republicans? Again, little are, not party are. What if they were just mouthing phrases and slogans? that they didn't actually believe or worse, understand which among them had ever actually fought for their liberty. Which of them had ever experienced that faith, that led to courage, that led to liberty, that led to abundance, versus just being corrupt politicians who owed literally everything they had, in many cases, to Julius Caesar. What if they were just putting on liberty caps and screaming liberty in the streets without ever having done anything to earn that? What exactly were they trying to do? What if they were just power-hungry narcissists who saw a threat to their own power and decided to get rid of it? But beyond that, beyond getting rid of their opponent, what was the plan? Like I said, they ran out into the streets proclaiming liberty, Liberty, but what did they do? And here's the problem that they had, and this, this is pretty remarkable. They had a huge legal problem, you understand that. You see, in Rome, it's legal to kill a tyrant, but you have to declare him a tyrant. And here's the thing. Anything the tyrant has done from a legislative, appointive, any acts that he has carried out, are null and void as soon as he's declared a tyrant and many of these magistrates many of these senators one of the things that that caesar had done was expand the senate many of them owed their their positions to caesar so if caesar is declared a tyrant well you're not a magistrate or a senator anymore so legally you're now powerless to act So what exactly is your plan to restore the Republic? What exactly is your plan to move forward? Or, here's the other side of the coin. If they can't declare him a tyrant, they have to admit that they murdered an innocent man, who, by the way, the people loved. Ecclesiastes, we read these words. There, only that shall happen which has already happened. Only that occurs which has already occurred. There is nothing new under the sun. Jim Jordan, Representative Jim Jordan, called off a third vote for the House Speaker this week, which leaves me with some questions. Go back to the removal of Kevin McCarthy as Speaker. Did the act of removing the Speaker reflect civic virtues? If it did, what has been done in the ensuing weeks to restore that civic virtue amongst our leaders? What has been done to restore the Republic by those who took this act? If it was not an act of civic virtue, was it the act of narcissistic power and corruption? Did it cause the people of the United States, as a corporate whole, to increase trust in their government? Did the people of the United States, or literally any portion thereof, believe that the government is corrupt and beyond redemption? Have we come to believe that the removal of any given leader is beneficial to the entirety of the Republic? In other words, he is a tyrant. Do we believe that the removal of the Speaker of the House specifically benefited the Republic in any way? Or have the American people, or any portion thereof, come to believe that a single beloved person is the solution to all the problems. In a republic, that should not be the case. But are we no longer in a functional republic, much as Rome found itself in 44 BCE? The result of the removal of Julius Caesar was years, more than a decade, of destruction and civil war. And I don't mean cheap civil war. I don't mean quick civil war. I mean the stuff of which legends are made. Antony and Cleopatra, Octavian, Augustus. And of course, in the end, it led to the rise of an empire, which had its positives. There's no question about the fact that the Roman Empire had its positives. Most of my listening base is Christian in faith. I think I don't think anybody would seriously argue that if it hadn't been for the Roman Empire there would be no Christian faith. It had its positives, but it also had its downsides. The destruction of liberty. Men did not self determine what they would be anymore. But there was peace, Pax Romana. There was There was the rule of law, but that law was iron-fisted, and it wasn't very merciful. And it, of course, generated much rebellion. The removal of one man crippled the nation. For a time, it destroyed liberty. Even by the people who said that they were doing it to preserve liberty. But was that really their motivation? Because they didn't actually believe it in practice. Because if they had, their actions would have been completely different after the act. Their actions after the act showed that they really weren't about all that. They really were not about restoring the republic or liberty or anything else. They were about maintaining their own life, their own power and wealth. There's a line in my favorite one of my favorite books i shouldn't call it, i don't have a favorite book i have a lot of favorite books but one of my favorite books is beowulf which i just think is an amazing book it's a good movie if you don't want to if you don't want to read the book watch the movie but there's a line in there when beowulf lands on the coastline and the guards are there and he needs to identify himself and so he watch marches up to the guards and He's explaining who he is and why he's there to kill Grendel. And the guard very wisely says, there's two ways to judge a man. You can judge a man by what he says, or you can judge a man by what he does. Not both. You have to pick one or the other. Caesar, whether I like him or don't like him, had brought peace, prosperity, stability to a foundering system who knows what his ultimate goal was with regards to the Republic, but he had three times refused the crown a month before his death. He had three times been offered the crown to become King of Rome, except it wasn't really King of Rome. It was King of the, the Republic, the, the the Empire, because no one would have accepted a King of Rome. But if you make him King of everything else, then Maybe that's acceptable. Who knows? Three times he said, no, I will not be king. Was this ambition? And for this ambition, was he laid low? Brutus has said this, and Brutus is an honorable man. Those who brought him down in the name of liberty instead brought war, chaos, destruction, and ultimately empire. as we're watching what's happening in our own country today, our own republic today, we need to be asking ourselves those same questions. What exactly was the idea here? You can tell me, you can say whatever you want, because there's two ways to judge people. What they say, what they do. What have they done since the Speaker was ousted to restore the Republic, to restore civic virtue, to do what's best in the name of the American people whom they represent? And if the answer is anything other than establish civic virtue, then I submit to you that like Brutus, Cassius, and the 60 other conspirators, They aren't really doing what needs to be done. In fact, they're the ambitious tyrants.